This is Vernon Jacobs, Senior Pastor of the Embassy Church. I want to thank you for engaging with us through this podcast. May it build your faith and strengthen your walk and cause you to reach the rooftop in Christian living. Don't forget to aim high and never give up. Let's go now straight into this word. Last week I commenced uh, a part one of uh, two parts in this teaching. And last week I spoke about under siege. I used the book of Daniel, and uh, uh, if you study in Daniel, you, you're inspired to read more about the book of Daniel. We only started in chapter 1, but there's, there's quite a few chapters there. But somewhere in between, I uh, think it's a Daniel chapter number 6, you'll see there's a, a twist in the tail, and there's a change in the, in the scenario. So if you're studying, uh, I'll, I'll encourage you to watch what happens in chapter 6. That's where I will take you to. I'll end with that. Now, when I was in um, London, I was preaching at Bishop Joe Thomas's church. There was a man in the front. Every time I spoke truth, he would say, expose it. You know, you just shout, expose it, expose it. And so this, is, this word is, is a word of exposure. Sometimes you get a word of encouragement when you're going down and you need something to pick you up. So you need encouragement and you need ministry. That's, that's not what I'm, I'm doing today. Uh, sometimes you need motivation. Uh, you, you need something to take you on uh, to the next day. That's motivation. But this morning, I want to uh, go into some truth and expose current situations using uh, the case study from the book of Daniel. Somebody say expose it. The danger of exposure to a preacher is that um, the devil also uh, senses the sentiment that you're about to, to break and uh, you know all through this week I was feeling weak I was wondering why why am I under attack like this especially in your body and then you realize the exposure that you are going to do in content can cause enemy attacks and therefore uh, spiritual things there's a dimension to that is uh, you, 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 you need spiritual backing, you need an anointing when you, when you speak on things like this. And you say, Pastor, why are you telling us? I need your prayer. We need your prayer because of this, not just in the past, not just the present, but uh, in as much as you have a pastor that's praying for the church, you need a church to be praying for its pastor. Amen. And now more than ever, I think the the priesthood is going through a lot, going through a lot, uh, because there's a spiritual dimension that's in play. And uh, don't stop praying for your pastor. Uphold your pastor. I know some of you love to talk about your pastor, but don't talk about your pastor to people. Talk about your pastor to God. That's a better energy system that you should be using. All right. Now, last week I was exposing how the the enemy forces would want to to negate the force of light and the force of the salt in the earth. Um, there's a, there's a strong force of wickedness that wants to dilute and and every Every 
every generation comes under attack with the hope of removing God from that generation. You'll see it through the, all through the Bible and sometimes what happens is a generation misses out because a force of wickedness pulls them out so that the, the, the God is diluted. And I feel this uh, uh, in, in the present that through everything there's a generation that is being targeted especially our children's children uh, so that there'll be a void there'll be a gap of godlessness and that's what I want to speak about this morning now I'm, I'm not going to go into last week because of, of time but if you are interested it would be very good if you have not found last week's message of how they try to remove God they try to change the names remove the, the God from them by removing their or changing their names and all of that is under uh, the topic of under siege and you can catch that uh, on YouTube or on Facebook uh, Facebook by replaying it. But I spoke about Daniel. Let's, let's use the text of Daniel chapter 1 verses 1 to 9. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. In case I miss this, you will see that God is allowing some vessels to be taken into that house and some people, young boys, to be captured and taken into that nation. <laughs> they would think at that time, that it's their strategy to remove God from, 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 from Jerusalem. But they are not seen also that God is using a strategy to allow these four boys together with some of the vessels from the temple to be taken into an unholy nation so that that unholiness can be turned into holiness. Uh, sometimes God will take what is intended for evil to turn it around for good. Oh God, uh, they chose the wrong people. They should not have taken Daniel, Mishael, Azariah. They should have chosen some lukewarm, cold people to go into that land. But they chose thinking that they were choosing the best. But they chose the best that was speaking for God. People who know their God and will, not, will do great exploits for their God. They thought they could dilute the God in them. But they didn't know that they were taking strong tea bags. So that, go read your Bible because they were throwing these boys, they threw Daniel in the, in the, lion, in the lion's den. They threw these boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, whom they changed their names, into the fire. And the king said, did we not throw three boys in the fire? How come I see fourth 
the fourth man. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. These boys were so committed. They were so strong in their faith. What the king tried to kill, tried to convert them, these boys converted. <laughs> they thought that they are going to change them. And God, can you see that God, there are some things in your life you will question. I know last week you saw it and say, and I saw it too and say, why would God allow this to happen? For them to be besieged. But God will turn something that was meant for evil. God can turn it around for your good. Uh, can I have a loud amen out there? And he brought them to the land of Shinar. To the house of his God and place the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Asphenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. I'm going to talk about education this, this, this morning. The king assigned them daily portions of food at, that the king ate and of wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. It's a diploma or a degree, I'm not sure how it would be. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them new names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Ananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he, that's, this is where I want to camp, this morning, but Daniel resolved that he will not defile himself. I'm talking to some young people this morning that know their God and will decide by decision. You were born looking like your parents. You will die looking like your decisions. I say it again, you were born looking like your parents, but you will die looking like your decisions. Whatever decisions you choose in life is the decisions that will shape your life. Whom shall you join? Who will you associate? Whom shall you marry? Where shall you work? All of those major decisions will shape your life and that's how you will end up looking. You were born looking like your parents. You will die looking like your decisions. Daniel resolved that he will not defile himself. Can I have 10 young people that decide today that we, no matter what, will take you on up to a point, but then we'll draw a line and say we will not cross over that line. Am I talking to somebody this morning? But Daniel resolved, when it comes to decisions, when it comes to your God, it takes decisions. Decisions are very important concerning your God. When it comes to anything else, you can move. But when it comes to things of your God, it has to be by choice. Choice, ask Adam. Choice, 
ask Eve. When anything comes to God, blessings and curses, it all depends on which line you will cross. And Adam and Eve crossed a boundary that they should not. They did not know where the line was drawn. Never, never cross a boundary line that you shouldn't be crossing. This is what the story is all about. But Daniel decided not to defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. I just want to tell you this morning as a thought comes to my mind that in many things you can do things uh, outside of your body. But when it comes to defilement, it's always with your body. So it's what food you eat, what you drink, who touches you, who you touch. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So remember that your body, <laughs> my, my, my granddaughter, she amazed us uh, this week. Uh, and she, what, what did she say? Yeah, she said, she was arguing with their mother and said, I'm in control of my own body. She's four years, five years, going five. She's in control of her own body. Everything that you do concerning defilement works with your body, what you eat. And Daniel knew that from Exodus 13, from Leviticus chapter 11. He had a foundational truth. He had foundations from the word of God. And so he said, the king's food looks good, but I can't be defiled. Why? He had a foundation. Uh, truth is understanding. Understanding means the truth under which you are standing. Let me say that again. Understanding is about truth. And what is understanding? The truth under which you are standing. Uh, when you have understanding, the truth under which you are standing speaks about foundations. I'm going to talk about families just now, but families create foundations. That is why when you were born in Westville Hospital or King Edward or at Enterbeni, where you were born is not where they leave you. They take you and they put you in a family. God has given you to a family. So the first thing to erode Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was to uproot them from family. And to take them and replant them. I want to tell you this morning that what is under attack right now is family. Family. Why? Because you can erode what families were supposed to put in you as foundation. Belief. Culture. Manners. Your, your, your belief system. I, I, are you with me this morning? And so, what, what they would do is, uh, they want to, in, the word is indoctrination. So, in order for me to indoctrinate your children, you must give them up. Because whenever I say something, Craig, you will, you will say to, to Chloe and Haley, 
But that's not what we believe. So to do that, I got to take them out from your structure and you give them to me for three years and I will indoctrinate them. Can you see what? That is why the church is not to replace you as a parent. Even your schools are not to replace you as a parent. Are you looking at what is going on in the school and saying, that is not what we believe? If they give them 13 sexual orientations, agender, transgender, gender fluid, are you saying, let's examine that and see what Genesis chapter 2 says? Genesis chapter 2 says, in the beginning, God created male and female. So there's two. And, 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 and in, in two, there's always choice. You are one, either one. So, uh, to be sure, let mommy take the girls to the toilet and show them who they are. And let daddy take them to the toilet and show them who they are and explain to them. Because if you don't do it, the schools are doing it. They are taking out textbooks and charts and, 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 and showing different things. Are you with me this morning? And so, the family is very important. Do your children even have a foundation? Do the young, do the young people know where you're, where, which church you go to? And if the children were born in the past two years, Jillian, it's so good to have you. And I'm so glad to, have, uh, to see you making the attempt, pushing to come to church with your baby. At least you're showing your baby what the church looks like. But if parents, if you became a parent for the first time in these past 18 months, do the children even know what a church feels like? Do they know what atmosphere is? I don't know. I, and if this continues the way we go in at 50, and uh, you're not making the attempt because you have a children. Your children are not a blessing away from God. Your, your children should be a blessing to God. Your children should show you how God blesses you. Family is very important. Some people are getting very used to it. In a slow way, we boil in the frog. Do you know what boiling the frog is? The frog stays in water and you turn it on and he gets so comfortable at level one. As it gets warmer, he gets, he gets, he loves, he doesn't jump out of the water because he's adjusting to it. By the time you turn it to six, he's boiling in it, but he's so acclimatized to it. Are you acclimatizing your children to a godless society? That's the big question. Will you, when you tell your children that they're going to church, uh, are they going to refuse to change from their pajamas? The main focus right now is to get you to abandon your roots and your values. So they take you out of Jerusalem and put you in Babylon. Babylon represents captivity. You're getting quiet on me. And once they got you out, the indoctrination, they got the... What you are supposed to be teaching them, indoctrination means empty them out and then fill them up. Education. Last week I spoke about isolation. Now I'm talking about indoctrination. 
And then we'll talk about education. Education. To teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. What is the literature and the language? The language of an education, Gregory. It means teach them about godlessness. In Babylon, they said, we don't trust in your God. Uh, what is it? Circularism or circular thinking. That's what is right going on. Somebody say, expose it. Right now, the thinking is, and your children are being taught in there's no God. What is that circular thinking? Which means instead of relying on faith or in doctrine, circular humanists use compassion, critical thinking, human experience, and to find solutions to human problems using humanistic solutions. Don't introduce God to it. Don't introduce doctrine to it. They say the Bible is irrelevant right now. Circular thinking is don't, you can't use that as a reference point. Now they question, before we were thought that the Holy Bible was inspired by God. They say, how can it be inspired by God? What is this Holy Spirit like a wind? Show us the wind. Show us the wind of the Holy Spirit. Well, an unseen virus got them thinking too. Show us the virus. God has a way of also teaching us some things. And so circular thinking uh, because of time. The next thing, and, I, and I, I think you must catch this. Young people, listen to me. I, when I speak about young people, I don't know why I always go this side. But there's a whole lot of young people. There's a host of young people all over. Or in fact, all of you, if you're under 90, that's you. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is gratification. We spoke about isolation. I spoke about indoctrination, education, gratification. Somebody say gratification. gratification. Say gratification. gratification. Now gratification is uh, firstly, we are going to cause you to readjust to a Babylonian system. And for you to readjust to a Babylonian system, we got to make it feel good. You got to feel good because you're a feeler more than you're a believer. You're a feeler. So they say, let's make it make you feel good. So one of the instructions by, by these well thought out people is that uh, give them good food. Give them king's food. Make them feel like they are kings. He who feeds you controls you. Please remember that. He who feeds you controls you. Now you can go to, 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 to a deeper dimension with it. Right down to the scum of things. Because the human needs according to Maslow. Number one, the hierarchical need Maslow says is physiological. He who takes care of your physiology. Phys Man, we saw it also, did we not? In, in, the, in the unrest the first thing the people were lining up for, they had money in their pockets, but they wanted, they stood in the lines for food. Your physiological need is very important. Sometimes when you have it, you don't realize it. But Babylon knew if we are going to control them, 
give them good food. So they fed them according to the king's table. It matters which table you sit at. Tables. Tables are very important. Therefore, people can take you right down into prostitution and drugs and take care of your physiological and make you feel like a king but control your body to sell it for a bowl of soup. Ah, I was preparing on gratification and, and, and I was going to go, uh, give me slides what, 28 and 29. It's not what I'm going to talk about, but I'll just show you how a tree in a preacher's mind branches out. This is the last two slides still there. Uh, talk about Esau. And, and I'm not going to even preach about it. But in weariness, Esau lacks the mental strength. I was telling Nisha, this is preaching to her, practicing on a, uh, which is more, which is, which is more strenuous, hunting or cooking? <laughs> now the ladies are going to say uh, cooking, but to bring the, the bring it home is, is, is to hunt is, is strenuous. By the time he gave off all of his strength in the, in, in the hunting process, he lost the mental strength to do the easy thing. Okay, let's, let's take it. Give me the next script, the next slide. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. Hunting without roasting. Oh, let me just bless you. Hunting without roasting. If you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, if you're a preacher, we, we hunt. And that's all we do. We don't take it to the next level. So every month, we earn that salary just to pay that bill. And so we become salary dependent. We're hunters. But we don't take it to the next level. We allow the others to roast to feed us. Ah, so so it, it speaks, go read it. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. Doesn't mean, he's, he's saying this, to hunt you're not lazy. But what the proverb is saying is that you fail to take it to the next level with mentality. <laughs> oh God. It all got to Esau What, what gratification he worked so hard, but he gave up everything for self gratification. One moment of pleasure gave up a lifetime of birthright promises. I don't know whether you understand what I'm talking about. It's a subject for, for another day, perhaps another Wednesday teaching or, or whatever. But let's go back to where, where I was. You know what they're making them do? In, in Babylon, they, they are masters at it. And that's what somebody say, expose it. Expose. And just, just sit up now. Just sit up, please. Listen to me. This is very important because it's the bait, the hook that reels you in. Oh, don't don't underestimate that the devil has time concerning you. He's not in no hurry. Because when he's, when he's, when he's reeling you in, Craig, or let's use me, when he's reeling me in, 
is reeling Letitia in. When he's reeling Letitia in, he's reeling Karis, my grandchildren, and Jaden, and this. He's thinking three or four generations. You're only thinking about yourself. Self-gratification. You thinking momentarily. He's thinking generationally. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you with me? So, that's why last week I, I spoke about, and they transported them. Inside of that transport, you need to see the difference between where they started in Jerusalem and where they ended in captivity in Babylon. And that's why in the end they said to them, we are not feeling any peace. Can you sing to us the Lord's song? That's where Psalm 137 came, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down. There we cried when we remembered Zion. I want to tell you this morning that self-gratification means it's for now. But there'll come a time when, listen to me, even when you eat herbs or, or mushrooms you still feel hungry an hour later that's why you need a good steak you have, are you with me because sometimes some things don't fill you up and what the babylonian system will do is they'll give you mushrooms and they'll, they'll give you but there'll come a time when you'll still long for by the rivers of babylon where we sat down, there we cried. When we remembered Zion, the truth is, you, you're giving up too much for too little. Gratification, the king's food doesn't, the king, K-I-N-G, small k. King's food doesn't satisfy what the king can give you. Are you with me this morning? And so, watch this. They said once you are schooled in our private schools, after three years, we'll bring you and give you a government job. The promise of a government job is that you will work for the king and you'll report to the king. So, after that, you can, once you work for the king, and if it's in the South African system, man... You can live an elite lifestyle. You can drive big, live large. And so we'll give you notoriety. We'll give you significance. We'll give you a title. We'll give you a name. We'll give you niceties. And the offer is, listen to me now, the offer is, if you want all of us, you must also take all of our God. Let me say that again. The bait is, if you want all of us, then you must adjust to all of us. And what is the adjustment, Sharia, of all of us? We will create an image in Babylon, and you must worship and bow down to this image. You are not at liberty to call on your God. <laughs> and so, the self-gratification, the big picture is, listen to me, the big picture is, we gave you success, now we give you our God. 
The success thing. We gave you success. Listen to me, young people. They are always, I said this before. If you get a promotion to another place, ask your pastor, is there a good worship place? What is the system of worship in that city? What is the culture of worship in that city? Is it just chasing gold or does it also chase God? Let me say that again. Are you chasing the glory of gold or are you also chasing God? When you are promoted, are you also promoted in the spirit? Lots of people don't ask about the spiritual climate of the place. Where will you worship? Who will feed you? Will they be able to down or drain out all that you've learned? So that all you do is chase success. And the success is often the bait of Satan. Yeah. Getting quiet in this church. What did Daniel do? How did Daniel survive this? Daniel said, I'll take it on. But this is what I will not do. Daniel understood what he should and shouldn't do, how far he would go. And so he drew a line in the sand. And he said, I'll take, I'll take your accommodation. I won't take your food. I'll take what you've given me, but this is what I have as well. I won't take your God. To the point of death. How do I know it? They said, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. And he said, well... And go and read your Bible. The king loved Daniel. He was a teacher's pet. When, when the satraps came and said, this man is found bowing to his God. And we have to, we have to throw him in the den. The king said to him, I'm going to throw you in the lion's den. I don't want to. But I'm going to do it. But I know your God. <laughs> he said, I know your God. It'll shut the mouths of the lions prophetically. And they threw him in. And the lions, at one stage, these boys were, were worshipping their God because they refused to buy her down. The king said, you fired. <laughs> you don't catch it. He said, you are fired. They threw them in the fire. They fired them. They fired them up. So much so that when, when, when the servants were taking them close to the fire, the servants got burned because of the heat. That's why the king said, I'll throw you again, but I know your God. How does your God come through? I know, I know I'm, okay. am I losing you? Are you in the building? Julian, are you in the building? Oh, watch this. Daniel said, up until this time, go to the... But Daniel resolved, no, uh, it's like 24. Yeah. That he, Daniel resolved that he might not defile himself. If you look in on, on, this, on, the, on the... Virtually, I hope you have the, the, the slide with you. I like what verse, chapter, verse 9 says, Gregory. Now... Now God, God was silent up until the point where Daniel said, 
I draw a line. Until then, God was watching. What Daniel will do with what his family taught him. What his foundation was. What his belief system was. It came to the test where Daniel had to say something. When Daniel came to verse 8, the Bible says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill. God gave Daniel favor when Daniel decided to take a stand for God. Lots of us wait for God to do for us what we can't do. We're waiting on God, but God is waiting on you. I rise this morning to tell you that God is waiting to see what you are. It's like the teacher in the classroom gives you the lesson and then gives you the test. The foundation is what the family lays. But when you pass it, God comes through for you. And if you go and study after verse 9, you'll think that the schooling system, the three years that they spent gave them wisdom. But that's not what gave them wisdom. Is it somewhere in my notes? I think it's verse 11. Go to verse 11. Is, is it there? Oh, I wish it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. What does favor look like? Go to that slide. Verse 17. At the bottom. As for the four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill. My God. You think the educational system was given them. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all the visions and dreams. Craig, what does favor look like? Money? No. Favor looks like an idea. Favor looks like wisdom. Favor looks like understanding. What does favor? People say, well, God will give me favor. He's not going to give you money. He'll give you witty inventions to create the money. That's what God is going to work with. What's upstairs is going to give you wisdom, knowledge, understanding. When the kings were in, uh, in, in, a, in a quandary as to what to do, they called for Daniel. And that's how Daniel got elevated. He gave them interpretations of dreams. It reminds you of Joseph. It reminds you of Esther. Are you with me this morning? I'm coming to an end. Here's the conclusion. When you make a stand for God, though at the beginning it may, it may look like you're giving up too much for too little, but when you make a stand for God, you know what happens in the end? Daniel outlasts, go to that scribe. Daniel is 85 years of age. He outlasts Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar dies. Babylon comes to a war and they are defeated by Persia. A new king comes into place, Darius. Babylon is defeated. Nebuchadnezzar is dead. But Daniel is still standing. He's taken into the next and to the next.
Daniel is preserved. Why? Listen to me. Because he was committed to his God. You think that you can allow things for the cheap success. Promotion. Lots of people now, young people especially. Young people are no longer loyal as they were. Those days you, you served and served the government for 30 years just to get a watch. A cheap watch that you could buy for 2,000 rands. But you served for 30 years. But now it's, it's promotion. Let me just say this. When man rules... God overrules. You think that you can move away from your God because a man can have rule over you because of his table. When man rules, let me say this, God will promote who he wants to promote and who he wants to demote. You know why? The Bible says that promotion, promotion, comes from the Lord. So when you're talking about promotion in life, when you're talking about promotion at work, even the promotion that you did get from Darius and from Nebuchadnezzar, it was not them. It was God putting favor on you. And yet you negate God in all of this. Many of you think you are self-made. Listen to me. You are where you are. Because of God. And, and just from personal experience, I've also seen people enter into a God kind of life. And they serve so well. It's the serving God that gets them promoted. But the end result is they've lost all of God to get all of that. And if you lose God in the equation and you rewrite your own equation, in the end, Nebuchadnezzar is gone. In the end, Babylon is defeated. In the end, even Darius, the new king, goes. But Daniel is still standing. You know what gets you to keep standing? Your commitment to God. I saw it in praise and worship all through. Go look at the, the praise and worship photographs of the history of this church. There are some people that stood on this altar and had nothing. But God blessed them because they stood on this altar. But they thought it's their studying and their self-madeness that took them up. But they, because they were standing, we know how God was drizzling, not rain, but drizzling. Go look for them now. God has no place in their life because Babylon has given them food that tastes like king's food, has given them notoriety, title, and success. That looks like a Babylonian system. I don't speak this as a curse, but it'll come as a realization that in the end, we need God. We need God. We need God. For how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? 
But the thing about the land doesn't seem strange. When the food is tasty and the people are calling you great titles and you have notoriety and everything, but it's Esau. Giving up his roast so that he can be filled for the moment. I rise to tell you this morning the God who brought you in is the God who will preserve you. Amen. Daniel is preserved, and I end with this. Don't lose your commitment. Listen to me. If you're listening to me virtually or actually, the commitment that you had when you first got saved, the commitment you had before the pandemic is the commitment and the fire that you must have now and going forward. Will you stand this morning? Let me show you what commitment looks like in the end of your life. Commitment. In this land, they said, nobody, nobody will call on the name of God, G-O-D. Daniel is as close to the prime minister. In fact, I would say he is prime minister. He's the head. He's the chief justice. They say, you will not call on your God. For if we do, we will punish you severely. Give me the next, the last verse. In chapter 6, verse 10, this is where the whole thing turns. Daniel goes to his upper room with his windows open to Jerusalem. This is not a man who is going to pray in secret. A lot of people now are in the secret service. If you understand what I'm saying. They are there. It's so convenient. They are in the sick. They are almost in the secret service. <laughs> he has no uh, qualms about what he's going to do. He kneels down. He opens his window in the upper room. In the upper room doesn't mean in the, in the basement. He's not like, like some of those guys where they should be needing threshing floor. In the, in, in the outside, they're in the wine press, underground. No. He goes. And he bows to Jerusalem. And he's not praying silently. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. It's more like when the Muslims pray. And they make a sound.
that Azan, it's called an Azan. I don't know about Christians right now, but I feel Christians are a dying breed. They've gone so comfortable adjusting, adjusting to a Babylonian cry that there's no more Jerusalem on the inside. By the time some of us come back, there'll be nothing. You'll get back, you'll have, pastor's work is going to be hard. You're going to have to revive the dead. <laughs> you have to talk about, preach, resurrection messages. Because they, but you, the, the, I'm saying you need to raise your hallelujah. hallelujah. Go to your upper room. Go to your upper room. You know, we were in, we were in a state and, and in the unrest. It's amazing how when unrest situations come, when, when threatenings come, people look for God. They said, we're going to play this song. Every one of us, we're going to put this outside of our windows. I did it too. And I, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Louder and louder, louder and louder. Daniel, he was telling them, I don't care what you say. I know who I am. And I know who my God is. Who my God is. Many, this is what God told me to tell you. Many people in this current era, they want to be politically correct. Many people want to be all embracing. Many people want to be current in circular thinking. And they are not saying, no, this is what God told me. This is who God said I am. This is what my God. People are scared to say, my God. They can, they can do it in a circular way. O-M-G. But not as Daniel did. Open the window towards Jerusalem and say, I call on the God of Jerusalem. In the presence of Babylon. They may have transported you to Babylon. But they can't transport the who in you Amen. to Babylon. Amen. 